0: That's 8 You're listening to America. You for listening.
1: Welcome into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and each week we bring you the best in medical chat radio—the things that doctors talk about in doctors' lounges all across America. Our show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led, physician-run healthcare think tank in the country, and we are um, still working it in Washington, trying to figure out healthcare and and make an impact so that we can fix the mess that we have in this country with regard to our, our healthcare system. So please check out what we do. Go to our website, www.d4pcfoundation.org. That's d4pcfoundation.org. And please contribute, contribute, contribute. We can't do this show. We can't do what we've been doing for the last decade without your help. Um, I have been on vacation for the last couple of weeks, and uh, and so I'm glad to be back in in behind the microphone to uh, talk to you about healthcare issues. And I've been reading about them, talking about them with uh, colleagues, thinking about things, and just been an observer of what's going on. And I. And I'm gonna devote this show today to what is happening politically with healthcare care um, with regard to a single payer system. And we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna to try to walk you through, but I'm gonna start this monologue in in the first segment trying to set this up and I'm gonna try not to ramble on too much, but I've gotta set this up because just to jump into single payer is is really uh, not um, explaining why we are even having this conversation in the first place. So let me let me start out by saying that we are right now living in a very dangerous time um, in America politically. We um, it, this is one of the in my lifetime the most uncivil. Um, uh, time w- between people that I've ever witnessed where people can't talk to each other anymore where friends um, are are um, no longer talking where relationships are breaking up where family members can't sit down at the dinner table and even talk about non-political things because they can't, um, see eye to eye on politics, and they can't even stand looking at each other or listening to each other talk. And this is so unhealthy for our our society. We are in the at the beginning of, or maybe even further along, in a civil war in this country. And um, everybody that I have talked to who thinks differently than I do believes that. It's Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the reason why we are having all of these problems. But Donald Trump is not the reason. Donald Trump is the excuse. And the, the reason is because there are people who are wired differently than uh, many Americans. And it didn't just happen. It's been an evolution. Um, and I'm talking about socialists. And this is not something that is new. This has been going on for a hundred years. And they've gone by different names. They've gone by progressives. They've gone by liberals. There is no such thing anymore as a liberal Democrat because there is no place in the Democratic Party for liberals. If you now listen to people who are lifetime liberals, who were respected liberals, people like Alan Dershowitz. He he's been thrown off the 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 Democrat plantation because he does not subscribe to the the um, the rhetoric and the dogma of the very far left, the very far left being socialists. And the the socialists have been around for, as I've said, for a hundred years, and we've had socialists who who have hated what America has stood for, and they've wanted to change it. And we've even had um, progressive presidents. We've had um, Woodrow Wilson. We've had. Um, Fred, um, uh, Franklin Roosevelt. We've had um, Lyndon Johnson. They've all been progressive presidents. We've had Barack Obama. Barack Obama is probably the most progressive and probably the most successful of all the progressive presidents because he was able to fundamentally impact every aspect of, of um, American life although some people might contend that FDR was equally as successful but I think he had a, a bigger challenge back in his day with uh, the Great Depression but he did uh, he was able to do a lot a lot because of the lack of information dissemination at that time and now now uh, we're getting news instantly but What we've seen is what Ronald Reagan called creeping socialism. And we've seen this happen. It's been a generational thing. And, um, you know, the biggest generation of socialists were the 1960 um, anti war movement, the free love, the free speech movement, and the people who came out of the 60s. And the people who came out of the 60s are now the people who are in power. They're the people who control the media. They control education. They control the judiciary. They control virtually every aspect of our uh, of our society. And they have indoctrinated the young people beginning at a very early age to think Differently than Americans typically thought. They don't teach them about civics. They don't teach them about history. They do teach history, but it's revisionist history. They change history to fit their narrative. And this is something that then goes on to progress in college, where there is no such thing anymore as a liberal arts education, what they're learning are the the doctrines of the far left and their their rhetoric, their dogma, their their um uh intolerance for anything that is different than their than their um theocracy. And this is what is leading these young people today to rise up and to fight against what are typically American norms, capitalism. You see the Occupy Wall Street movement, you see Antifa, you see black um, liberation theology. All of this is anti-American kind of thought and it fits right in to the socialist platform and you know, I know this is a healthcare show and I know that that I may be going a little bit far afield, but this is very very important to set the stage for what I'd like to spend the rest of the show on, which is healthcare because healthcare is at the center of every socialist movement and it is where people are promised things Especially free health care or we will take care of you, and um, and they get the uh, the the public um, all all on their side. And, and our producer and uh, and station manager David Moxley is chomping at the bit to jump into this conversation. So so I'm going to invite him in, David.
0: How socialism is one step away from. Totalitarianism. And communism. If you go back to the 50s, when Khrushchev was in power, and we had the Cold War at the height of the Cold War, basically, the 50s and 60s, Dr. K. from Lubbock Christian College gave a speech, and I'll never forget it, and he said, you don't ever have to worry about Russia bombing the United States. They will take us over First at the university level, then the high school level, then the grade school level. That's exactly what's happening today. Like you said, talking about an oxymoron, rewrite history, hello? I I thought history was history, and and you wrote it down as what happened. But like you said, they are rewriting history. Texas just went through two years ago a big deal on a history book that was just a, a, a lie, basically
1: you know i i I put my phone on yesterday because i was listening to what's happening here in in um, atlanta in the new city of south fulton where they are um, going to be the first um, city in georgia to eliminate columbus day and and turn it into indigenous people day and they said that if you go on your iPhone it's already on there and in fact it is you know if you have an iPhone and you have a calendar and you go on to um, i think it's October 8th and you just punch on there it comes up as indigenous people day and you know th- i think that it's important to recognize the the ills that have happened in the past and i think we're going far afield net- right now but but you don't want to rewrite history. You want to learn from history and then not make the same mistakes again.
0: But the uh, you know the fact of the matter is, if you go back and you look, this is the communist takeover.
1: It is, and and um, and I and I think that they don't
0: have to fire a shot.
1: They don't. The most the most dangerous um, um, entity. The most dangerous. Um, Thing that is is um, confronting America today is not Russia, it's not China, it's not North Korea, it's not Iran. It's the socialist movement in the United States because that will fundamentally change this country, and it starts. It you it starts with health care, or it, at least it did start with health care. Now the socialists. Have some other talking points. It's it's immigration. Um, it is uh, you know the uh, I- income inequality. There there are a number of things that they've they've really jumped on. But but for all intents and purposes, healthcare has always been the litmus test for the. The, um, the progressives for the left. And so I find that it is just unbelievable that, that we are mainstreaming what's called Democrat socialists. And, you know, this is, this is the dumbing down of America. How if you put the word Democrat in front of socialist, then it becomes all of a sudden entirely legitimate. But if you, took that away and and that's and that's really what they are they're socialists but they don't want to say that they they are um, they're basically um, camouflaging who they are and what they want to do to America and American health care and when we come back now that I've set this up I'd like to talk about the the litmus test, as I said, health care, and the single-payer system, which is what they're all about. So stay with us.
2: The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you.
0: Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic
1: Cars with Steve Rinaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com.
3: Thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And we're back in the doctor's lounge, and today we're talking about single payer. And um, I'm sorry if I rambled on in the first segment. I needed uh, to set up where we are, how we got here, because this is so critical in explaining the issue about single payer and and um, it really has become the litmus test you know it, the the darling of the left right now is this young woman in New York Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and her stunning upset of the um, incumbent uh, Crowley who was lo- who was um, poised to become the next Speaker of the House and um, you know she, really um, is, well, she's, she's a, a uh, um, an overt socialist. She's a, she's a card-carrying member of the American Socialist um, Party of America. She's also a member of the Democrat Socialists of America. What do the Democrat Socialists of America say about health care? Well, they say Medicare for all. What does that mean? It means a single health program, um, which is comprehensive coverage for all services financed through taxes based on your ability to pay. It's free at all points of service, no copay, no deductible, no premium. Everyone is covered, including people who are here in this country illegally. There'll be a jobs initiative associated with this and severance for those affected by a transition to a government-run healthcare care program and this is about as harebrained as as um, as one could could um, could con- con- conceive but it is catching on it is it is being mainstreamed and and that's what is very scary um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about who is mainstreaming this later on. But first, what I'd like to do is I'd like to uh, um, uh, just kind of give an update on the problems in the largest socialized healthcare system in the country, uh, in the world, which is the UK. And these are actually reports that are being reported in the New York Times. And in the Wall Street Journal, these are these are you know not uh, um, you know just uh, far right publications that are trying to uh, um, nail the British healthcare system. The British healthcare system is in big big trouble. And what is the British healthcare system? It is the National Health Service, where taxes are just very very high and. Healthcare is covered for all people in Great Britain. And that, on paper, sounds wonderful. It sounds great. You know, everybody is getting health care. But 70 years ago, when it was instituted, right after World War II, you know, the British government felt like they needed to take care of their people. Well, th- what they didn't count on is that when there is um, no accountability – and unlimited demand costs were going to go up and up and up and they would be unable to keep up with it and so the only way to continue to deliver it and pay for it would be to ration it and that's exactly what's happening and it's it's taking its toll on the um on the patients in Great Britain it's taking their toll its toll on doctors in Great Britain um Right now what's happening is that that people are waiting in emergency rooms for record periods of time um, last month a record twenty four percent of people waited more than four hours in emergency rooms to receive attention and sometimes in in many cases and that's the average in many cases it's as long as twenty four hours where they sit on gurneys in the halls of emergency rooms across Great Britain, waiting to be seen, where doctors are actually having to deliver pa- uh, deliver care to patients in the hallways, and the doctors are just appalled, and many are are saying they never thought that they would do that, but but they really have no choice. Um, hosp- operations are being delayed because of the um, severe cutbacks in the budget of the nhs and the nhs budget has been increased let me don't don't let me um misrepresent that but the increases are far far too little to keep up with the rising costs and so they the 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 delta or the the um or the uh uh deficit it keeps widening getting bigger and bigger and the only way that they can keep up is by Uh, delaying necessary operations, um, not having enough hospital beds so patients have to recover from operations in hospital corridors, and severe shortages of doctors and nurses. Right now, healthcare spending in Great Britain is at its highest ever, at a record 7.4% of the GDP, and when compared to where it was two decades ago, it's almost twice as much, and this is unsustainable. And and especially because just like in the U.S., the the population in Great Britain is getting older, with um, uh, um, about 24 uh, percent of the population projected to be over age 65. Um, over the next two decades, and so this is this is really something that uh, is is um, a big problem for Great Britain, and they are trying to figure their way out of it. And the only way that they they can conclude that they can fix this problem is to try to get out of healthcare for all, out of a socialized healthcare system. But it's such a difficult. Item to address in Great Britain that is the third rail of of British politics, just like in the U.S. It's it's um, it's Social Security, or Medicare, and so it's it's very difficult on the on the lawmakers in Great Britain to to solve this problem. But the you know Great Britain likes to um, tout their their healthcare system as the best in the world and. When it depends on what metrics you use. If you use metrics that um, some of the l- far left um, uh, think tanks um, use to assess healthcare care, such as access and equity, yes, it's the it's the best in the world because everybody has it. but if but what good is having um, uh, health care? If it takes you three months to get seen, or or a year to get an operation, and waiting lists in Great Britain are increasing, it's not uncommon for there to be um, uh, people who wait um, as long as ten months for a cancer operation in Great Britain, and it's it's interesting that um, that since two thousand eleven the life expectancy in, in the UK has gone down by a year while in other parts of the developing world it's actually gone up, including the United States. And infant mortality, one of the things that the U.S. gets nailed on um, because of the metrics that are used to report it, which is that um, w- the U.S. counts every single birth that occurs and with a baby that dies as a an infant mortality, whereas in the rest of the world they have to be full term, and in some cases even four weeks um, post gestation to count as a as an infant mortality. Well, Great Britain is one of those places that that doesn't count the births before. Uh, term before forty weeks, and yet the poorest families in Great Britain have had a rise in the infant mortality rate every year since two thousand and eleven so there is there is trouble looming in the single payer system in Great Britain, and doctors are are becoming more and more frustrated with that system the um, waiting list in the national health system has grown to 5 million people. That means that 5 million people are waiting for health care, and that means that that's 1 in 10 people are on this waiting list to get seen. Here in this country, we pride ourselves on being able to get to the doctor quickly. One of the metrics that I personally am being measured by is my third next appointment that means that if if 3 people call when will that third person be able to come see me and ideally you want that to be less than 2 weeks well in great britain it can be as long as 3 to 6 months same in canada and and it's so it's so interesting that the lawmakers in Great Britain, because they are so both proud of their system and defensive about the attacks coming on it, they are defending what's going on and turning a blind eye to it. And uh, Theresa May, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, Um, is on record as saying oh no there's no problem we just need to spend a little bit more money but no matter how much money they spend on this system it is a broken system it cannot be fixed when people in the central government are deciding who gets seen when they get seen how they get treated and how much money they're willing to spend on them in Great Britain they won't spend more than $45,000 dollars per year life expectancy for certain medical conditions. So if you've got a cancer and they say that your life expectancy is so long, they, they measure life expectancy in monetary, um, uh, in pounds, so that they can figure out how much money they're willing to spend on you based on how how much longer you have to live. So if you're an elderly patient who needs a hip replacement, for example, you likely will be given a, a, a bottle of pain pills and say, deal with it. And that's that's what happens in a single-payer socialized system like Great Britain. And uh, it's, it's driving doctors out of healthcare in Great Britain. There is about a 10% um uh, gap in in what the um, the positions are in the National health system for physicians and what they have and it's it's widening people are are leaving um, that system you know for, uh, at, at a at a much greater rate and um, it's it's um just just uh, really becoming you know worse and worse and um Canada is no better. Canada is exactly the same as it is in in Great Britain, and it's the same in every single country that has socialized care, that the only way that they can control costs is to ration care. And, and we are seeing this um, time and time again all around the world. And I'm looking for – I want to get – I have a um, – uh, a, a, a list of of what's happening in Canada that that I can't find right now, but I will find it sometime during. Ah, here it is. So so you know I want to I want to um, share with you something that was published in CNN um, online, and again I am quoting sources that are not traditionally. Um, uh, considered to be conservative sources, but Scott Atlas, who is the um, the uh, a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, uh, he he um, explained why. there are problems with the single-payer system and why it's a terrible option, especially around the world. So I'm going to lead with that in the next segment and then take us into um, what is happening around the country with uh, the proposals, especially the Bernie Sanders proposal and the uh, um, Democrat-Socialist desire to embrace that when we get back. So stay with us.
3: The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events
2: connect. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your healthcare freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: We're back in the doctor's lounge, and we are talking today about single-payer health care, which is um, the uh, cent- one of the central... Um, platforms of the Democrat Socialists of America, the same party that Alexandria Ocasio Cortez belongs to, the same party that um, the the uh, Democrat um, uh, candidate for uh, this the um, for governor of um, of uh, Maryland, Ben Jealous, the former NAACP chairman. Belongs to and the party that um, has uh, policies that quote mainstream Democrats are jumping on the bandwagon. They can't get on there fast enough to take up these positions. Um, the, the The Democrats in Congress have proposed single payer system both in the Senate and in the House, and have gotten a number of uh, co-sponsors. Bernie Sanders' plan, um, which is essentially Medicaid, uh, Medicare for All, um, and uh, and it is a, a program that would uh, uh, essentially uh, eliminate Medicare and Medicaid, roll it into a new entity, which would be a government-run single-payer system, in, in, in which it would um, it would outlaw employer-based health care. It would um, it would uh, eliminate the um, programs that are currently um, uh, financed by the federal government, um, and it would uh, uh, really be a, a, a system that would. Uh, uh, rein in costs according to Bernie Sanders um, and make the sp- outrageous spending at the hospital level the insurance level, the pharmaceutical level, the benefits middle m- the middle managers in the benefits world, it would eliminate all of that and so by just getting rid of all of the all of the um, profit motive, wouldn't that be so much better for everybody and you uh, you know, in in um, you know in in the uh, make believe land of of uh, utopians, this, this all sounds wonderful. But in the practical world that we live in, this is an absolute disaster. And um, the the Bernie Sanders single player payer plan, or the plan that is uh, been proposed in the House of Representatives, basically is a, a system where individuals no longer control their health care, but the, the government the very highly bureaucratic system controls everything that is is uh, health care related and um, and th- to think that this is not happening or we're not this is this is not serious is to bury your head in the sand because this is the trajectory we're on. It's. It was not the desire of Obamacare to create a single payer. It was the desire of Obamacare to completely turn the healthcare system upside down, and and really um, make a system that had a lot of problems much much worse so that people got so disgusted and so fed up that they would actually seriously listen to proposals about a single payer. And that's where we're at right now, because serious people are talking about a single payer. But let me tell you that in order to pay for this system, which would, in Bernie Sanders' plan, on paper right now, would cost between 3 and 4 trillion dollars and there would be by based on the amount of money that they're suggesting that could be raised through taxes to pay for this there'll still be a 1 trillion dollar deficit annually and that's going to increase every year and that's provided that everything that they say on paper, actually happens, and we know that that doesn't happen. We know that the the costs far outrun the predictions. When Medicare was proposed, it was proposed to be about a two million dollar, uh, I'm sorry, two billion dollar uh, plan. Well, within ten years, it cost a hundred billion dollars. And this is, this is what we, we see with, with, uh, bureaucrats and, um, um, projections and, and, and promises of something for nothing. And that's what that's what this is. That's what single payer is. It's something for nothing. There is no free lunch. There is no such thing as free health care. But the socialists, the Democrats, socialists, the New Democratic Party would have you believe otherwise. And in order to pay for this, Sanders has proposed a, a number of options: a seven and a half percent payroll tax on employers, a four percent income-based. Premium on all Americans—that's above income tax. Elimination of tax breaks on employer-sponsored health insurance, and a series of new taxes on the wealthy. And and uh, what what is important to understand is what that really means in terms of dollars. So low-income families would really be hurt by this because they'll pay an additional. less, or it'll cost them 6.2% less in in reduction of their real wages after their payroll tax is factored into it. And individuals and families earning over $250,000 would face a 40% increase in taxes to finance the Sanders plan. Um when when we start to find that that 1 trillion dollar deficit is adding up the only way to catch up will be with even higher taxes and you know if you talk if you listen to democrats on on some talk shows there's no limit to how much money they think the quote rich should be paying and the definition of rich is defined by somebody who is controlling Pa- who ho- holds power? Rich can be somebody making um, two hundred thousand dollars a year or one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and and there's no shame in, in these people wanting to take more and more to pay for, um, for services for everyone. Um, a system like this would. Bernie Sanders says it'll simplify things it'll actually make it more complex. Just look at the VA hospital. The VA hospital is the perfect example of a government-run health care system, and it is a disaster. And what's happening right now? They are finding that the only way that they're going to be able to fix things is to allow veterans to get private health care outside of the VA system. So just when the VA is trying to fix things, by outsourcing to private medicine. Just when the British National Health Service or the Canadian socialized medicine um, system are trying to fix their broken systems by outsourcing to private health care, we're embracing single payer. This is the most ridiculous notion that anybody could think of. It's almost, it's almost laughable. But yet, the Democrats are jumping on this bandwagon, and who is signing on to this? It's just, it, it, the, list, the list is all of the people who may be presidential candidates in 2020 who've signed on to the Sanders bill. People like um, Cory Booker, Kristen Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren. They all are embracing this socialized notion of single-payer health care. And um, it is great as a political talking point, but in practicality, it is a disaster. So let me share with you the Scott, Dr. Scott Atlas article from CNN about what the um, pitfalls of a single payer are and why this is a terrible option. First, massive waiting lists and dangerous delays for medical appointments. Um, In uh, England, I told you the waiting list is about um, 5 million people for services. Um, In Canada, the mean wait for a specialist is um, almost 10 weeks, and that's after um, the 10 weeks of waiting to see the doctor who refers you to the specialist. So that means that the average person in Canada is waiting about 20 weeks To get to see a specialist, because you can't get to a specialist before you see your regular doctor there, that means four and a half months before you can see a specialist. You can die in that period of time if you have a serious problem. Um, Before Obamacare, the average American waited just 20 days for the five most common specialties to be seen, to get into a specialist. And, um, and now, um, with, uh, the Affordable Care Act opening up the ability of people to, uh, get a, uh, wellness check right away, um, that, that weight is even less. A second problem with a single payer is that there is life-threatening delays for treatment, even for patients who require urgent cancer treatment or critical brain surgery. In, in Canada's single-payer system, the median weight for neurosurgery, now hold on to that, hold on, don't don't fall off your chair. The average median weight for neurosurgery after seeing the neurosurgeon was 46.9 weeks, almost 10 months, and, and if, if you needed... A life-saving or or a life-changing operation like a hip operation, you'd wait 38 weeks. So there's a a deficit of services because it's been rationed to control costs. And and uh, the the uh, the same is true in Great Britain and in other places around the country. Don't don't hold up that one minute thing. The next problem with a single-payer is that there's a delay in availability of life-saving drugs. In a single-payer, the systems negotiate the cost of drugs and the availability of those drugs is, is far, far less than it is in the U.S. And now in England, they've got the new budget impact test meaning that they assess, a board of bureaucrats assesses whether or not the cost of the drug warrants using it and authorizing it for a particular illness. And that does not happen in the U.S. Screening tests. You can't get them in socialized countries. You'd think that they would be better in a socialized country. They're actually worse. In all countries, Ten European countries with nationalized healthcare systems, cancer screening was far far less available than in the U.S. In the U.S., cancers are diagnosed at a younger age and and less advanced than they are in Europe. In almost every cancer, meaning the chance of cure is far greater in the U.S. than it is anywhere in the socialized healthcare world and the in, the outcomes from serious diseases are significantly worse in these um, in these countries um, for almost every serious disease, including cancer, heart disease, stroke, hypertension, and diabetes compared to americans and um, you know in in the u s we can get what we need, even though the left would tell you that access is a problem. But it becomes a bigger problem when it's rationed by the government and they tell you who you can see, when you can see them, where you can see them, what you're going to get and, and how much they'll pay. And now it's time for our break. And stay with me. I'm going to finish up with what is happening in our health, in our political system with regard to embracing these, um, the, these policies. So stay with us.
2: This is Dr. George. Join me
3: Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: We're back in the last segment of the Doctor's Lounge. This is your host, Dr. Hal. Um, Go to the Docs for Patient Care website. Uh, We are going to be uh, putting on our third annual uh, direct primary care uh, conference. It is clearly the best direct primary care conference um, in the country, um, and uh, we always fill up. Uh, I think we are close to capacity right now, but I think there's still some room for those of you who want to uh, uh, participate. And uh, this is uh, very, very important, and we're moving further along in direct primary care than ever before. It's going to be the solution for health care in this country. After I'm telling you all of this bad news, that's the good news. So so check that out on our website, d4pcfoundation.org, and, um, and, uh, f- and plan to attend if you are a physician. I think you'll get uh, a tremendous amount out of it, including... CME credits. So, uh, so please check it out. So, finally, um, single payer, you know, the, 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 the people in, on the Democrat party, are moving further and further towards socialism, and they are embracing the the platform of the – and I'm not going to call them Democrat socialists because I am not jumping on that that bandwagon and letting them get away with that. They're the Socialist Party of America, and they are trying to take over the Democrat Party, and the Democrats are running scared, and anybody who is not embracing these socialist positions – are being thrown off the Democrat plantation. And, um, in healthcare, that means single payer. Um, the Bernie Sanders plan, um, the House, pl- the Conyers plan, which was the House single pay- payer plan, have, the House plan has over 140 sponsors. Um, Nobody is really thinking about what the practical implications are of single-payer, but it becomes a great talking point and a great point for them to run on. But it hasn't worked so far. Why hasn't it worked? It's been proposed. In Vermont, Bernie Sanders' home state, they tried to implement a single-payer, and they immediately bailed when they discovered that they could not afford the $2 trillion price tag. Colorado had it on the ballot initiative, but it was going to cost Coloradans four trillion dollars. I'm sorry, four billion dollars, and uh, and they and, and it would have meant a increase in taxes, of a substantial increase in taxes. I don't have the the figure in front of me, and it got it got um, defeated um, by a landslide. So here we are again in 2018, and healthcare is again on the ballot, just like it's been in every single election since 2008. And where is it most prominent? In California and New York. Cal- in, in New York, you've got a governor's race that is pretty much based on the single-payer system and who can outdo each other. You've got uh, Andrew Cuomo who's being challenged by the Sex and the City star, Cynthia Nixon, who has embraced virtually every socialist item on their platform, including single-payer, and she is really pushing the buttons for single-payer in New York State and pushing mainstream Democrats further and further to the left to embrace this, including Andrew Cuomo. And... Um, the same is happening in California with, uh, with Gavin Newsom, the former mayor of San Francisco, who's the, the front-runner for the Democrat um, gubernatorial uh, seat. And, um, and he is uh, um, being pushed by the, the socialists to uh, look at single-payer, and single-payer is actually on the ballot – as an initiative in California, but what's the problem with California? In California, they're not really talking about uh, putting um, single payer on the ballot because they realize that that is going to uh that, that's going to fail miserably. Nobody is willing to uh, pay. Uh, um, of thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars more in taxes to pay for this system, because in California, which is I think the f- fifth largest economy in the world, um, they they um, are are projecting that in order to implement a single payer system in California, it would cost them about four hundred billion dollars. Um, $200 billion of it, they can uh, account for by redirecting funds that would be Medicare and Medicaid funds, provided that California is given a federal waiver, something that actually would be unlikely in a Trump administration. But if they were given that waiver, that would account for about 200 billion. They'd still have to come up with another 200 billion dollars to pay for this. So they can do this by um, by uh, offering uh, uh, by decreasing the the cost by by cutting costs by um, by raising uh, the uh, taxes. But it would still, um, leave about a 50 to 100 billion deficit, which is going to, uh, result in even higher taxes. Higher state sales tax, an increased tax on large businesses. We saw what happened in, in, um, in Washington state when they tried to increase taxes on large businesses. The large businesses threatened to walk and they rolled that back you know and and what's happening around the country so in some places when when taxes are going up and businesses are threatening to walk the the um states are threatening to sue the businesses who are leaving their state um be over over uh paying higher taxes which is uh just unconscionable this does not seem like America anymore but with California and their single excuse me their single initiative, what <clears throat> has been happening is that their legislation, the California uh, bill, which is uh, SB 562, um, Medicare for All, um, it's been stuck in committee for for uh, um, the last several months, and is not going to get out of committee because the centrists in Washington—not not the centrists, but the non-socialist Democrats in in uh, California—don't um, uh, don't, uh, don't want to let this uh, leave the the committee because they don't want to allow um, this bill to uh, uh, get. Get uh put out there and fail miserably and and uh, the dream of a of of fixing health care california style will uh, go down the tubes just like it did in Colorado and in Vermont. Californians believe that they have a chance of tinkering around the edges and doing things that would be single payer light like um, ensuring. Undocumented adults, or preventing Medicaid work requirements, or shielding the state from the insurance products that are favored by the GOP, like short-term insurance plans that seem to be working in the rest of the country, but that are um, uh, anathema to the the California um, leftist uh, um, policies. So, so let me let me take the last two minutes to wrap up this sometimes rambling um, show today about single payer. We've got people on the left who are um, far left, who are socialists, who are trying to push the agenda for a single payer system. And um, they are um, taking the mantle from Bernie Sanders and, and uh, John Conyers the disgraced John Conyers, by the way, who had to leave uh, Congress over a sex scandal, um, and they are trying to push this as a major platform item on the Democrat Party, and it's succeeding. And I didn't mention this, but it's succeeding because the co-chair or the or the um, the, uh, the the uh, vice chair of the the DNC. Um, is Keith Ellison, the socialist from Minnesota, who, um, who believes that uh, this is uh, the, the uh, way to go for the Democrat Party. It's the right move. Um, uh, Chairman Perez um, is not quite so, so hot on this idea. He's a little bit more pragmatic. Uh, just like some of the uh, people in uh, the California legislature who don't want to put the single-payer on the, on the ballot and let it out of committee. So, so we've got the left who are trying to push this agenda of a single-payer system on California and on the rest of the country and mainstream politicians who are in the Senate all of whom are being named as leading candidates for president in 2020 are all embracing this mantle. And so this is the decision that you have to make. Do you want the government to control your health care or do you trust the government to make the right decisions for you? And are you willing to pay more money to allow the government to own your health care? And that's what it boils down to. And I think the answer should be a, a resounding no. And, uh, and we will uh, talk about this topic uh, more. We'll get uh, some experts like Sally Pipes from California who's been uh, writing about this to weigh in. So thank you for being with us today. And come back next week when Dr. Mike will uh, uh, be hosting the show.